The thought of becoming a mom instantly floods us with feelings of fear and sometimes unrealistic expectations. Not just of what our child will be like, but also of what we as moms are supposed to do and what the environment our children will grow up in will be like. We've been conditioned to think that if we don't raise them or provide for them a certain way, we're failing as a mom. But sometimes, life throws us curveballs that change our entire expectation of motherhood, and we find ways to cope the best way we can. My guest today is someone whose new life as a mom started off with hope and joy, but was quickly shifted due to an unexplained tragedy. Gabrielle Sullivan's motherhood journey is one filled with resilience and strength. It is one that taught her to put her daughter's needs first, even before her own grief. This is We Need to Talk Motherhood, part five. Gabrielle Sullivan, my dear, sweet friend, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that we're able to chat. Um, Gab and I were pregnancy twins She's also a pandemic mom and she has a pandemic baby and our daughters were supposed to be born a day apart, but Mm -hmm. somebody's daughter, mine, um, (laughs) decided to stay inside for another week and just destroy my body. (laughs) My daughter was born on her due date. Like that doesn't happen. That is very, very, very rare. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, I'm good. And I love that. Mine was like, nah, I'm going to make you wait. I'm going to make you wait. And I actually, I mean, no, I didn't have, well, yeah, I kind of did have to get induced because they had to do like the Foley balloon for me. Me too. Oh, there's no, I don't even want to, that's like, I, I have PTSD from that. Let's, let's not right? even talk about actual birth. Cause it's, whew, it, it wasn't fun. Do it more than one, more than one. That's blows my mind. Oh my gosh. And Obviously, and I don't know if, if this is where you and Jason are, but like I look at her playing by herself sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, you totally need a sibling. I feel terrible. Yeah. But then I think back and I'm like, I hated being pregnant. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm with I, you. I hated the whole experience, but we'll see. We'll see yeah. where 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 we get. But you know, when you and, and Jason did start to try to have a child, and where were you in your lives, you know, in terms of your marriage, in terms of your careers, like when you thought, you know what, this is the right time for us to bring a tiny human into the world and just expand our family. It's so funny because I do feel like we always had some kind of plan that eventually we were just like, nah, let's just do this now. Like, you know, we were, we were together five years before we got married and we kept mm-hmm. being like, well, we don't want to get married until we're like financially stable. And then it was like, we've been together for so long already. Let's get married. And were we financially stable when we got married? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> right. And then, um, then it was okay. We're married and we, we lived in California at the time and we want to move home before we have a baby, which we did do that. So good job. Um, and then it was, we just reached a point or maybe I just reached a point where I was like, I can no longer live without a baby. Mm. Like, you know, a few years ago, I reached a point where I said, I can no longer live without a cat. We got a cat. And then I had the same thing. I said, I can no longer live without a baby. And we had a baby. I love that. <laughs> I think that's just what it, it was just a feeling more than a like, well, this is where we are in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just like, you know what? It'll, it'll just work out. We will figure it out because we always have and now we've been together 10 years and um and we've always figured things out and and that's how we live 
And I think that that's more of a natural and normal way to go about things. Because when you try to have like this perfect plan of like, okay, I want to make sure we make this amount of money or we have this or we have this. It's like, you're literally going to be waiting forever. And the next thing you know, you're like 55 and you're like, oh my gosh, I wasted my life. And now I don't have a kid or I don't have this thing, but I did accomplish all these things, but I don't have that part of my life that's missing. So I'm glad that you guys just were like, let's just do it. It'll, you know, everything will work out. And it has, I mean, you guys seem so happy and I know you were very excited to move home. I was not happy about that, but we miss California. Believe me. (laughs) I'm sure you miss the weather. Actually in the winter. But, you know, now you're a full-time mom, but on top of being a mom, you're also a singer-songwriter. You've released albums and singles, and she has a beautiful voice. Please go listen to her music on Spotify. Some of my favorite stuff you've released. Um, But was there ever a time during your pregnancy, or even now, when you thought that maybe you would never return to music or return to pursuing those dreams? Yes. Um, So, especially having a pandemic baby, it changed everything because I was... I was always working. I've, I've never not worked. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the plan was never to be a full-time stay at home mom. And then it turned into that because of everything. Um, and I did, I definitely felt like I lost myself at some point. And, um, listen, being a mom is my favorite role I've ever had. I'm yeah. so proud to be a mom. I'm so proud that she's my daughter, you know, only good things, but it's not all that I am. And I definitely reached a point where I was like, no, I'm, but I'm also, I'm a singer songwriter. Like that's such a huge part of me. And, and, um, it was really, really hard to, to lose that and not be working and not be recording and writing and all that stuff. So I actually last month, um, just recorded two new songs and it's been years. I can't wait to hear it. So so I, I feel like myself again. Like yeah. it's so, so huge. So I'm sure you can relate that being a For mom sure. is definitely the most incredible thing in the entire world, but you have to still do you and do take care of yourself and do what makes you, you know, feel alive. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I definitely realized over the last year, because yeah, everything was at a standstill. Like there was no performing, no music, no nothing happening. Right. But no now that things care. are kind, right. Well, I yes, mean, no child. <laughs> I, I very like, I do not take this for granted that my mother lives around the corner. <laughs> yes. Like, and she was so like upset if I even offered like, Hey, should I get a nanny? Should I get it? She's like, how dare you? So I agree. But yes, in general, people didn't have childcare. Like it was just right. a crap year for people. And when it came, comes to being an artist, one, we already struggle so much as it is, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> It's such a difficult (laughs) journey to take because it takes a lot to put yourself out there, but it's a huge part of who you are. But I think now being a mom, it, it's making me want to work harder in achieving dreams and making sure that I'm still doing the things I love because we have to teach them to do that, you know? So if we're not doing it, then there's no way that we can impart that onto them. So I'm glad that you found your way back to it. And Gab and I are going to do a song together and I keep telling her and I keep writing it and rewriting it and writing it and rewrite it. So it's coming, (laughs) but I'm just not happy with it. And I'm not going to send you anything that I'm not happy with. Oh, I understand. Yeah. (laughs) I know you do. I know you do. That's why I know you're not like, where's the song? Um, So, Let's go back to when you gave birth because yeah. you have a a very a heart-wrenching story from from when you gave birth and I think it's something that one my listeners definitely will need to hear and relate to and your journey so far is 
really one of strength and resilience. And you went through such a traumatizing experience shortly after giving birth um, to your daughter, you lost your dad. And I remember reading it in shock and not even knowing what to do in that moment because it's supposed to be one of the most celebratory moments in your life. This momentous occasion, you're bringing life into the world. And then this just ironic and odd turn of events, a circle of life that you lose one of your parents. So from the outside looking in, and I don't know because it just seemed like you kept it together and it was so admirable. And you you kept it together enough to even check on me when I gave birth, (laughs) which is such a testament to the human being that you are. And that meant so much to me. But how did you transition from giving birth to losing your dad, to becoming a mom and, and figure out how to cope and eventually heal? Um, I will say that 18 months later, and I don't feel like I am fully healed. Mm. So I'm not sure I can um, claim to, to be that. But um, yeah, it, it was definitely... Um, I don't know how much detail you want me to go into here. But However much you feel comfortable sharing. Okay. Um, so just, just to give a, a little backstory of what happened. Um, my dad lived in Florida. I, we live in Philadelphia. Um, and so he was planning to, of course, fly here when my daughter was born and then pandemic, right? So I was like, oh my goodness, you cannot get on a plane in a public airport and then come meet my newborn like right Right. you're like absolutely this new virus happening yeah yeah. um, absolutely not um my dad also happened to have been a pilot um with his own private plane um from the time I was a little kid he's uh, I I have been in his plane I countless times um probably like a hundred times in my life he flew us to camp in the summer he flew us to college he flew us to the beach for the day I mean I've flown with curbside service yeah literally (laughs) the beach was funny I think we were in the air for like 17 minutes or something it it always made us laugh but he was an incredible pilot and a very 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 safe pilot he wouldn't even fly if it was raining um so of course when all this happened he said well then I'll just fly myself that was you know what made sense. Um, so he did that. Um, he was here. Uh, we, we couldn't have hospital visitors. It was like March, 2020, right. The world just blew up. So we couldn't have hospital visitors. And when we got home, um, just my mom and dad and my husband's mom and dad were there to meet Aria. Uh, so my dad stayed for two days and then, uh, was flying back to Florida, left my house so my daughter's four days old and uh, I hugged him by, oh God, sorry. I want to get there. Yeah, take your time, um, take your time. I hugged him goodbye and said that we would FaceTime every day and I would send him pictures and he already had plans to come back in a month. Um, so I remember saying, because, you know, you get home from the hospital and you have a newborn, you're healing sleep isn't a thing yet. Yeah. You're uh, learning how to breastfeed. Maybe, you know, all that. I mean, yeah. it is, I can't it's even so put much. words, how hectic and, uh, oh God. And it's literally this feeling of like, they give you the baby and they're just like, okay, bye. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's they're like, doing everything for you in the oh hospital, basically. 
And then all of a sudden you're just like, wait, no, I'm the mom. Now I make the decisions. Yeah. Okay. I have to heal from this birth, but there's no time. Cause I have to, I'm the only one that can feed my baby right now. Like mm-hmm. it, it is all consuming, overwhelming. Um, right. So I remember saying to my dad, next time you, he was going to be back in a month. And I said, next time you come, it's going to be so much better because I like felt bad that I was a mess. Yeah. Right. Like, which yeah. is crazy. But I, I did. I just remember like having to like kick him out of the room every five minutes so I could try to breastfeed and um, just all this stuff. I just remember being like, next time you're back, it's going to be so much better because I'm going to have I'm going to have this down and like it's just going to be better. Um, so unfortunately, left my house and um, was in a plane accident, a plane crash. And we lost him. And we still don't have all the answers mm. as to what happened. But it was not his fault. We do have that much. It, what happened was not his fault. Um, not that I think that would make anything better or worse, but he was an incredibly, incredibly wonderful and safe pilot. And what happened was not his fault. But what did you pull on to get the strength to be the mother that Arya needed in that moment? So I. I got the call, you know, he left my house that day. And then I got the call around, like, I think it was like 10 o'clock at night. And it was just disbelief. I mean, it was not real. There's like no way that happened. It's still not real. It's an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Like that doesn't happen to me. Um, So it was, it was hard to believe it for a long time. But um, I remember my brother, unfortunately, was at my dad's house waiting for him to come back. And he's the one that found out everything. And he's the one that had to tell me. So uh, I'm on the phone with him and I'm crying. And all of a sudden my mom, who's holding my four day old baby looks at me and says, I'm so sorry, but you have to hang up and you have to stop crying for a moment because you have to feed your baby. Mm. And in that moment, it was just this realization that she comes first before absolutely everything. And this is what I have to do. And there's no other choice. There is no other option. And so I'm going to do this. And I did. I hung up with my brother for the moment. I stopped crying for the moment and I breastfed my baby and I returned to grieving later on my own time but like you don't have your own time yeah right so it was just like little brief moments for a while for a long time it was like when I got to take a shower I would cry in the shower you know and like if she was napping I would go in the other room and like silently cry it was just like I had to find my own time to grieve so that made it a lot harder and a lot um more difficult because I didn't have closure for so long. Yeah. Um, and of course we had no visitors. I mean, it was, it was just me and Jason and thank goodness my mom and Jason's mom for a while too. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's what it was. It was just, it was really that moment of, of knowing that I am the one that has to do this and there's no other choice. So I'm going to do this. Um, and it's just, it's so interesting to think about now because even you saying like, how strong I was. And I, I do, I feel like I was praised for my strength. Like so many, that was everyone's comment. Like, you're so strong. You're so strong. 
And I'm like, no, I'm not like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not. I'm such a mess. You guys have no idea because you're not seeing it, but oh my God, no, I'm not. And that's okay. And that's yeah. normal. And like, who would be, right? who would have it together and who would be okay? Who would be functioning properly? Like it, I had to like, accept the fact that it was so normal to fall apart. Um, and I think even just becoming a new mom and even you take tragedy out of the situation, we're not given, we don't give ourselves enough grace to just be a mess in general. And I think unless you've gone through it, you can't understand what it feels like regardless. But then you add a tragedy on top of it. I can't imagine anybody expecting you to (laughs) not to be a mess. Right. So I think when people say that you're strong and I know it's hard because people don't know what to say in that moment, they do only see the exterior. Right. So when they say that you're being strong, it's because from their vantage point, you aren't just falling apart when you're talking to people. You aren't just falling apart on social media. You are keeping it together. You are still posting about Aria and how she's the light of your life now and how you know beautiful and how happy you are to have her. So it takes a certain amount of strength to even do that much. So it's okay to own up to that, but also it is okay to be a mess. It's yeah. okay to be a mess. And I think there's so much, in general, there's stigma behind motherhood. I mean, just giving birth, the how you are pregnant, and then you go into, you know, breastfeeding, for example, which we had many a conversation about, right? <laughs> and, you know, for the people that are listening, if you haven't gone through breastfeeding, whether you breastfeed for a month or a year, it is not, it is not easy. <laughs> oh, nope. It is not easy. <laughs> and like, you think it's so funny how like movies and television make it seem like the baby just latches on, starts That's sucking and they're do. great. <laughs> you have a baby and you breastfeed and, and then no. you put them down and they're done. Right. And that's what you do. Like, no, nah, uh, no. It's just, nope. it's, it's not easy. And I, you know, I stopped breastfeeding after seven months. One, mainly because I was over it. I, it <laughs> I just didn't enjoy it. And it's so funny. I feel like I said to John the other day, I was like, I miss breastfeeding. I hate the way he looked at me. He was like... <laughs> Girl, you hated breastfeeding. What are you talking? Like, who just said that, right? And I was like, oh, wait, yeah, I totally did hate it. Um, But, you know, in our conversations, you know, with everything that you went through, I know that you made a decision, I think it was probably a month or two in, to move to formula. And I did my best to make sure you knew that that was fine. Because I know that there is such a stigma around mom's breastfeeding or not. But at the end of the day, if your baby is healthy and happy, that is all that matters. So when you made that transition, you know, when did you get to that point of acceptance that as long as your daughter was happy and healthy, it didn't matter what society says or other moms say about this glorification of breastfeeding. Because like if all that Aria wanted was oatmeal, then that's what you give her, right? It doesn't matter. As long as she is getting nutrition and she's eating and she is healthy, that is the point, right? But we are made to feel that we have to breastfeed, that we have to do this, that we have to do it for a certain amount of time. So when did you get to that point of acceptance that you knew you were doing what was right for your daughter? That's what's so crazy is that formula changed my life. Okay. I was not producing. And 
now hearing my story, who would produce milk right. under those circumstances? Right. Absolutely. Uh, a little stressful, right? Everything affects your milk supply. Yeah. So yeah. my body was under too much trauma and stress to produce. I was not producing. So my baby was hungry. And what I was told was that my baby had colic, which like, oh, come on, what's colic? Yeah. This is not really even a definition. That's a whole nother story. But (laughs) my baby was hungry and I was constantly breastfeed. She was just constantly attached to me. I lived on the couch in what I called breastfeeding position. (laughs) And I had my mom stick some food in my mouth occasionally and put a water bottle in my mouth. And I like, I mean, I was chained to the couch for one month. A whole month of me being like, no, I'm doing this. I'm doing like, why? Why did I do that? And it wasn't until my wonderful mother-in-law said, you know, it's okay if you want to supplement with formula. And I was like, okay. And I felt like she gave me permission. And that's what I was waiting for. Mm. Not to put any of that responsibility on her. Like, of course, that's not what she was doing, but but that's what I was like. I was, it's like, I was waiting for someone to tell me it's okay. And then we uh, switched to formula and my baby was suddenly happy Mm. and sleeping and able to be awake without crying. I mean, my whole life changed and I was able to take a shower Mm. and someone else was able to feed her. And I'm telling you, it was life-changing and still I felt guilty. Mm. And I felt like a failure. Why? Why? My baby was healthy and happy. And she wasn't before. She wasn't before. And now she was. Why did I feel guilty? It's wild. Yeah. I hate when one people, you know, interject themselves into other people's lifestyles and how they choose to raise their children or whatever's mm-hmm. right for their family. But like I said, we're, we're conditioned to think that if you make that decision that, oh, well, you're not doing what's natural or you're not doing what, you know, best milk is what's best for, no, anything that Bed your baby is, can, best. is yes. As <laughs> long as you are best. feeding your baby. 100%. So I'm glad that you... I'm sad that you felt like you had to be given permission, but I'm glad that you went forward with what was clearly right for Aria because who knows if you had kept trying, you know what I mean? Who knows where you would have been or how she would have felt or what you would have been going through because Mm -hmm. it's, you were going through so much and you had to make the right decision. So I'm very, very proud of you for doing that. And any moms that are listening that are struggling, do what is right for you and your child. Do not listen to what other people Don't listen to anyone. (laughs) I think the hardest thing is to learn to trust your mom gut because Mm -hmm. as a new mom, you're like, I don't have a mom gut yet. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm new at this, but you do because you know your baby and you don't realize it until way, 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 way later. And then you're like, oh, I do know my baby. And I know my baby better than anyone else knows my baby. Yes, yes, yes. Trust your mom gut for new moms out there, which is not easy to do. I love that. I need to get a shirt that says that. Trust your mom mom gut. So now when we get into, you know, our kids are 18 months now. Uh, oh, my wild. goodness. I know. I, I can't even believe it. I look at her. I'm like, okay. 
when did that Full happen? <laughs> like there's things that I already miss. I mean, there I were things that I even started to miss, like at the six month mark, every As milestone, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's crazy. But you get, we get into the conversations about how we're raising our children, especially in this country now. And Ooh, we've yeah. had many a conversation about this. And obviously I hope that when our kids are older, um, they won't have to witness half of the crap that we're witnessing. But from a cultural standpoint, I know how proud you are of your ancestry and your heritage and being Jewish. And we've had a lot of conversations and you've made me privy to a lot of things. And I love being educated and I appreciate that. And you also were in an interfaith marriage. I think Jason was raised Christian or Catholic? Um, he was raised Christian. Now he's just he's Jason. just he's just Jason. <laughs> That's what he says. I love that. But you know, you, you have made the decision that it, to raise your daughter Jewish, and it is so important. And I'd love for you to talk about why that is so yeah. important for you. Um, yeah. So it's interesting, and I think um, this is something that maybe you had learned from one of our conversations is that. Uh, being Jewish is not just a religion. It is a culture. And that's, I think a lot of people don't realize that. Um, And for me, 100%, it is my culture. It is my family, my history. It is such a big part of who I am. And I'm not a religious person. And Mm -hmm. I know so many Jewish people that feel that exact same way. Um, And so it's, it was important to me to raise my daughter Jewish. And Jason and I had had talked about this like years before we even got married um, that I said, I, you know, in the future, I would like to raise our kids Jewish. And I don't care that you're not Jewish. That doesn't matter to me, but as long as you're okay with it. And he was, um, and we had traveled to Israel together um, before we got married. And uh, yeah, so there's, there was just a lot of um, history that he had learned as well. But um to me, it's, you learn so much more about Jewish history in Hebrew school than in public school, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is such a, an important part of history to not be forgotten because obviously, you know, we've been through hell. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I just think it's, I just think it's so important to not let that ever be forgotten. Um, and, and I'm, I'm a proud Jewish person yeah. and there's, there's just so much about it that I love, um, just culturally and the, and the family, uh, traditions and, uh, within our holidays and things like that. So, um, yeah, just a, like a, on an educational standpoint, it was important for me to have her learn about our history and, um, uh, I'm, uh, I was really proud of my bat mitzvah when I was 13 and yeah. um, just, just a lot of things that I was like, I just, I want her to have that too. And if she grows up to say, I'm not into this, then that's fine. But it was just more of the uh, learning everything for sure, that for I sure. had grown up with. Yeah. And I know that a lot of our conversations as of late um, were centered around the rise of anti-Semitism that had been been happening. And I really appreciate the conversations that you were willing to have because you know me, I'm always wanting to learn and be on the right side of history in any way, shape or form. And if I'm wrong, yeah, I'm wrong. Yes, we all should. Yeah, absolutely. And if I'm wrong, I want to I wanna learn how to be right. And I, and I want to correct any mindsets or anything that I've had in the past. So what have you and Jason decided in terms of teaching Aria about that, you know, possibility 
when she gets older, because I know for me, you know, raising a biracial child, she's still yeah. a black woman when she gets exactly. older. Right. Yep. Um, and it's something that I want her to be aware of and not for me, not teaching her in a sense of like being on guard or like, you know, walking right. around scared that something's going to happen, but just, Hey, if this happens, this is how you handle it. So what are conversations that you both have had in terms of it being a possibility that she may have to deal with that when she's older? Um, you know, uh, I think every Jewish person, unfortunately, has experienced some sort of anti-Semitism in their lives. And I can remember um, being a young kid and and I came from like a pretty Jewish area and everything. Mm -hmm. But still, uh, I I can remember some anti-Semitic comments that were made when I was in elementary school and and, you know, ongoing. Um, And it's ignorance. It's it's people just not being educated and not even realizing right? That their comment is anti-Semitic. And yeah. I think that's such a big part of it as well. Um, so Jason's number one thing is to not live in fear. We don't live in fear, you know, cause for me, like, as you said, you're raising a biracial daughter, but she looks black. You can see that when you look yeah. at her for us, yeah. um, you can tell there's mezuzah on our door. Um, Aria doesn't have a Jewish last name because uh, she has an Irish last name, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. so it's not clear to the naked eye that we're Jewish, but, um, but yeah, I mean, of course she will go to synagogue and, and things like that. And, um, I am proud of the mezuzah on our door and other things, but, um, so I, I do get scared sometimes when these things like what has happened recently occur. It, it Mm. scares me to my core. It it makes me want to shut down, not talk about it, not post things because maybe someone doesn't even know that I'm Jewish and I don't, but, and Jason automatically goes, Nope, we don't live in fear. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, like I had said, don't live in fear and be proud. Don't, don't live in fear, be proud and, and continue the education because like, I know, obviously with Black Lives Matter, like that's been your, yeah, <laughs> you know, you just want to educate everyone so that everyone, I, I, I just think that's such a big part of it is, mm-hmm. is realizing what you're saying and, you know, maybe just ha- be able to have an open, honest conversation with, yeah. with someone. And you, you know, it's interesting that I have realized and, and witnessed in the conversations that I've had with my Jewish friends and just also seeing, um, comments in regards to a lot of the anti-Semitism that has happened recently. And in the last couple of years, I know you said it really ramped up since, you know, who was in office, mm-hmm. you shall not be named. Um, <laughs> but I think one of the things I personally realize is that it's kind of what you said um, about Arya, like she doesn't have a Jewish last name, but she also isn't what people view as Jewish presenting. Yeah. So people will probably say offhanded comments, maybe even about a Jewish person not knowing. So it's that type of behavior and rhetoric that needs to be changed of like, it shouldn't even be in your vocabulary whatsoever. Yes. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where that education comes in. But it's, it's, yeah, it's those jokes that you don't realize, Hey, this is actually anti-Semitic. You're like, Oh, but it was just, no, it's not just a joke. This right. is why this is uh, painful and harmful to me. So I think. Yeah. I, so it's I'm, actually yeah. calling people out when they do make 100%. a comment. It doesn't have to be a confrontation. It doesn't have to be a fight, but it's, it's just, Hey, this is what this means. Yeah. Maybe you don't know that (laughs) for sure. Why do you think, because I wasn't, I was not aware of how Mm -hmm. bad anti-Semitism was until it was really brought to my attention. And now it's like a part of things that I 
speak out about, but why do you think you. that the Jewish community, yeah, I know it's important, but why do you think the Jewish community is often left out of the marginalized groups that people are doing activism for? I do think it has a lot to do with what I said. Like, you can't tell I'm Jewish from looking at me. Mm. So, you know, I'm, no one's going to stand up for me because I maybe I can hide it. Mm. That, that's yeah. just my opinion. I don't no, know. If yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But. No, that's that. And that's from that's definitely from your experience. And that makes mm -hmm. sense. And I think people don't also think of Jewish people as a minority. They think because they're just a religion. White people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, it, but, but that, you know, because it's a religion. So it's like, that doesn't count. That's not your race. That's yeah. not your ethnicity. Yeah. That's, and it totally is. But it is. It is. Yeah. It's, yeah. You're and that's Italian the lack of education that we go back to. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to that lack of education. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, but I, I pray and hope that our, our children don't even have to have these conversations or listen to this podcast and be like, uh, what are our moms talking about? We don't have wouldn't to. Wouldn't that do be great? <laughs> Let's it hope. would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look back over your entire motherhood journey over the last, even being pregnant, but yeah. you know, over the last year and a half, what is something that you thought about motherhood would be a certain way, but it actually turned out to be completely different? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think absolutely everything about it turned out to be yeah. different. Like the only thing that I knew would happen is that I'm completely obsessed with my daughter. I'm obsessed yeah. with her. I literally <laughs> want to eat her face. Oh, yeah. She's oh, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> that's that I knew. But uh, I, I didn't know I would have so much trouble regulating my own emotions. Mm. I, I, I feel like I have a short uh, string and that that's a really big struggle for me. And it's like, she's one, she's one and a half. She's doing what a one and a half year old does 100%. and I lose it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I didn't think that I would. And that, you know, it's, it's certain things like that. And even, oh my gosh. Yeah. Looking back on everything, I was excited to be pregnant and then I got pregnant and I had a really rough pregnancy. Oh boy. So like that I didn't expect. And, um, just like every little thing that was difficult that I didn't think would be difficult. Like, remember when they started eating solids and we were texting each other, like, yeah. what are you feeding your baby? My baby doesn't want to eat anything. I don't think she's ever going to eat food. Right? Or they and throw it on the floor after oh you've already cooked God. it. <laughs> you cooked a whole thing and they threw it on the floor and you're like, that took me so much time. And I Pinterested that recipe and it's got no sugar and it's so good for you. And now it's on the floor. It's the worst. They have no idea. And that's the thing you have to remind yourself. They have no idea. They have no idea. But it's no still idea. so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Like it um, makes me want to scream. Yes. But thank goodness for my husband. I'm sure John as well is, is just as uh, level-headed as Jason is. Because he, <laughs> yes. he just keeps his cool. And I wish I could do that. But I'm I'm not good at that. And maybe it's because we're the ones that went through the pregnancy yes. and the labor and delivery and, and they're the primary feeding. caregivers, you know? And so we're just like, yeah, Rah! yeah. <laughs> because yes. we went through and they, you know, it, it, it is different. I'm sure to, to just be on the other side of it. I mean, we can't imagine that. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how that works. <laughs> I don't. Well, with she all that in you, my belly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's like to not have that. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Um, but with all that you've been through and just looking through your motherhood journey and, you know, we're talking about like the struggles and the frustrations and, you know, losing it. Right. But what do you tell yourself to remind yourself that you are a good mom and you're doing a good job? Uh, my daughter is loved every single day. She is loved. She is cared for. She is happy. She is healthy. Um, she comes first. Uh, she, I know I'm a good mom because of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Gab, I'm so glad that we were able to do this. And I really appreciate your vulnerability and your willingness to share your story. You are doing a good job. Aria is beautiful. Tell her that she will meet her West Coast bestie. I cannot wait. Sooner for than that. later, I hope. People, please, uh, in this in pandemic. Please, please, please. Oh, my goodness. Oh Sienna my and Aria were destined to be friends. They, they were. I can't wait. But can you tell everybody where they can follow you and where they can uh, listen to your music as well? Yes. Um, so I'm at Gabrielle Taron on Twitter and Instagram. Um, my music can be heard on all streaming platforms, wherever you get music. My music can be found there under Gabrielle Taron. Um, and I do have two new songs coming very, very soon. I wish I could give you a release date, but I don't know yet. But uh, but they're coming very soon. We'll so. definitely post them. Thank you so much for taking the time. And please make sure you follow her to see her adorable adorable daughter she loves dancing to pentatonics and i can't get enough yes, of it she does. <laughs> <laughs> thank and you for listeners, having make me sure, of course thank you so much listeners make sure you subscribe and we'll talk to you again real soon